Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of WCM Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks here, as always, with Kara Brodegam from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. Mr. Ryan Kratz from Petoskey KOA is supposed to join us. He told me he was on a call right now with his boss and he would be here right on time. And it's obviously right on time. So uh, his reliability is coming into question here a little bit. But hopefully he'll be joining us here in a few minutes uh, just to give us the campground under perspective and things of that nature. Uh, really like having mm-hmm. Ryan on the show. So uh, yeah, just going to cover kind of an open discussion today, talk about some news, things that are happening. Um, as, as a reminder, if you would like to comment, join the show, kind of share your feedback with us, you can do so on any of the Facebook pages where we are live. And then we are also available as a podcast on Google, Spotify, all those kinds of places too. So uh, what's up first, Kara? What do we got? Oh my gosh. I feel like, well, I guess <laughs> I, uh, you know, I think the, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I feel like my Wi-Fi is potentially going. That's a shame. Okay, I... Uh, it happened over the last month, so if you don't want to pick one, I can pick one too, but I just figured so, you could start and then we could rotate, so... Yeah, no, I, uh, I apologize. I really want to touch base on this um, availability search capability that KOA just launched. Uh, I think it's awesome to see this kind of real-time... Um, you know, campground search capabilities that our industry has kind of really been missing in in uh, in a broad sense. Do you want me to share my screen? So, because we were playing around with this this morning. Yeah, please. I uh, I'd love to check it out and and. Hold on a Let me put this in another window so I can figure out how to do this on my without overlaying myself. <laughs> Okay. Um, KOA. Toggle on. There we go. Okay. So KOA.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. we're playing around with this this morning. I'm not going to be able to see myself while I do this, but um, <laughs> we were typing a, dest- a destination, right? So I think we picked Pennsylvania as well. Anyway. Yeah. And so if you go to Pennsylvania, I don't know like all, that all this is new or what they're talking about, but I'm still fascinating. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, so, so I, I just yeah. kind of stumbled on a, 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 an article that announced that they've just launched this. So let's do the 17th to the 22nd. 17th to the 22nd. All right. So we're going to just find a KOA. And again, we're searching all in Pennsylvania here. Yeah. Um, I think we can put, let's, let's go ahead and put this in here. Let's say we have two adults. Uh, no kids, and we've got a what 32 foot fifth wheel kind of thing, yeah, sure. No slide out, no pet. Oh, you're the dream guest. <laughs> <I know. laughs> All right, so now, like you can see here, there's a Williamsport South Nittany Mountain KOA, uh, good park, uh, yeah, or, uh, or at least they still own it. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, awesome. But so there's three columns here. We got RV sites, lodging sites, and tent sites. And uh, my mouse is dead here. There we go. And so so it says, (laughs) sorry, there are no sites available based on your search. Mm -hmm. And then there's a couple other things, right? The equipment select is not compatible, obviously, with a lodging site. We're not going to pull a motorhome there or a tent site. But if you scroll down here, you can kind of see in real time, it says checking availability. Yes. And then it says nothing available, nothing available. Sites available. Uh, Sites available. So we we can go there. Reserve now. Yeah. And you can just kind of keep scrolling down. So this this is so fascinating to me just because we really are seeing so much appetite from guests 
from camping consumers uh, for for dynamic tools like this. Um, and you know, I think it's really important for campgrounds to pay attention to the the um, desires of their guests. And you know, the argument sometimes can be made that like, well, my park is full, so I don't I don't have sites to list on a on a online thing anyway. But that might not always forever be the case going into the future. And, um, you know, I just think exposure and, and this kind of um, just deliverability to consumers on this quick live format is really fascinating. I love seeing this. I'm super excited for, you know, where this is going to go. And, uh, and I think those campgrounds that are kind of ahead of the curve, ahead of the game, are going to be able to uh, really benefit from from using utilizing tools like this with their business. Obviously, KOA is so well known for like pioneering stuff like this. But um, we I know here in Canada, we've been working towards uh, building a tool like this at Goreving.ca's National Reservation System and Trip Planner tools. Um, and so, you know, what's one of the biggest barriers to getting that really bookable and dynamic like this is getting campgrounds to participate. Uh, so, you know, there's obviously logistical challenges, other logistical challenges too that that make something like this. You know, KOA is so well positioned to be able to do this because they use a specific booking system and all of that is integrated easily. And, and so it makes so much sense to me that they've done this and, and uh, I'm listening to you, but there's only one site available here. So you want to go camping before this is gone? Yeah, take it. I, where is it at? Oh, it's in water. It's a little bit far away from me. I don't know if I can make it there in time. Oh, Bill, Bellingham's so beautiful. It's one of my favorite spots in Washington. Go to Bellingham. I get 10 days to get there. I, I might be able to get there. Anyway, that's cool. <laughs> that the one site available beyond demand. So I know I know that some places do this, right? Like, a, yep. I haven't even seen like a real-time functionality and a list as you scroll on Expedia or anything like that. Now, it might be there. To be fair, like I'm a hotel booking directly type person. Right. Um, so, but this seems so, to have three columns. I think, yeah, this this insane, like quick recall stuff is really available to KOA because of, you know, their, their software being in, totally integrated right. the way that it is across their parks. Yeah, so... You know, they obviously have a, a benefit and an advantage there, which, you know, it only makes sense to utilize that benefit and take advantage of that, uh, you know, that positive uh, result of using that software program across all of their parks. Um, I don't blame them one bit, but it, I am blown away by it's quick. Like as you're scrolling, it's updating site inventory, which is insanely awesome to me it, you know it's another thing that's going to just really um keep koa kind of at the top of the heap in terms of who's who's booking where they're just so exposed and, and uh providing availability on live like that is <clears throat> it's the stuff of my dreams <laughs> look at gangster ryan with his backwards hat on you decided to finally join us. Good morning, Ryan. Ryan. We were talking about KOA, and you missed. Well, did I miss the whole? You know, I was on yeah. the phone with. Uh, I was on a Zoom call prior that went way long. So yeah, uh, but no, it's tech. You know, you, when you work campgrounds, Brian, you probably forgot what this is like. But you have to work through the weekend sometimes, so you get Mondays off. 
So, yeah. you know, I was just out there running a couple miles at CrossFit. Um, That's you know, why Ryan has his hat on backwards. He's, it's exactly. Because I'm just, <laughs> it, thank you. Like, I want to I wanna own a campground now if I get all Mondays off. You don't, you don't, easy. you don't, no. you don't always get Mondays. You might get an hour, <laughs> you get, you get an hour on Monday to go to CrossFit. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. So. Perfect. Yeah, no, I so, intimately yeah. remember those days. I, uh. We were talking about this, Ryan, like I, I we're not going to go back into it in depth, but the real time availability, have you seen this on KOA.com that they announced? What? What? Yeah. <laughs> All right, look at this. I love seen it. This? How have you not seen this? Like you're the KOA guy. Interesting. And like, well, I'm not spelling it right. So now I'm features campsite availability. Is it Lansing Mission? Do they have photos and stuff on it already? Well, so check this out. So like you do Lansing, Michigan, and then you do a radius around it, right? And then as yep. you scroll down, it says sites available and it checks the availability in real time. The number of sites available. Mind blown. Like, it's incredible to me. It does seem like they're really stepping up their game. Uh, I think K2 was yeah. just the startup of, of data data mining so they could do cool stuff like this. Because, yeah, K1 did not have that type of capability. So this is cool. That's really yeah. cool. And you can, with the, like, select your site stuff. And, oh, man, people love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I just can't even, I mean, for me as somebody who like wants to book online and wants to maybe not always plan way in advance when I go camping, mm -hmm. this is a game changer. Like I, I definitely, I hate to say this, <laughs> but I would probably pick a KOA over a campground that I tried to call and couldn't get through mm -hmm. or whatever. Cause I can book it right now and I know how many sites they have and, and it's awesome. I, yeah, I've noticed our phone calls, like even even with just like select turning on select your site for online reservations, our phone calls go down about half um, I bet. because it's they don't need to talk to us anymore. You know, all of our phones are ringing for like um, bundles of wood yeah, or, uh, to your site. Like it's it's for the guests that are on yeah. site now and less of the reservations coming in. Yeah, it really changes the dynamic of like how your front office needs to work and and what those expectations are and the level of guest services you can provide to those people mm -hmm. on site because your front desk staff isn't just sitting on the phone all the time or whatever. You're always going to have those campers who want to call and don't want to book online and you know, so that's it is what it is, but this ability to really shift you know where your manpower needs to be applied and and mm -hmm. how your front desk staff can be focusing their energy on on guests is really cool i love it yep agreed yeah. it's all about the guest experience i mean totally filtering, you know, filtering and showing them the options and giving them what they want with easy access and all that kind of stuff so yeah it can all be done i mean obviously like i've never done anything like the real-time availability but um, just pushing the technology and figuring out how to do this stuff. It's, it's all possible. You just have to want it. Well, you know, uh, I'll speak from experience and say specific to our tools we're trying to build at GoRVing.ca, there's a real barrier to like integrating software and getting everybody who's in the sandbox to play together in the sandbox. Mm -hmm. um, so those, those things are dynamic issues that obviously mm -hmm. KOA doesn't face. Um, and, and so it makes sense that they're kind of the first guys out of the gate with this stuff. Um, and, and I admire it a lot. And I'm hopeful that someday we can get to a point where, you know, maybe.
it doesn't take specific, you know, software alignment across all the parks to to partner in this way. All the, I mean, like Brian said, maybe when you go to Expedia.ca, you can't scroll through and see how many rooms there are. Um, and so maybe that's maybe that is unique to somebody like KOA who who has that database, you know, in real time all the time. But uh, we can be doing this better for sure. It's all APIs. It can be done. Totally. It doesn't matter if the same software or not. It depends on whether CampSpot is sending the information, RMS is sending the information, ResNexus, Astra, whoever. If mm -hmm. it's sending the room availability in real time, then it, then it can all be aggregated and displayed the same way on Expedia or Travelocity or Airbnb or wherever. Yeah, but so let's be buddies and do this. Let's get it done. And I, It'd be cool, I think, even if you could see. was doing it. Like, people are yeah. doing it. They're sending APIs, but it's not consistent. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It'd be cool because that's one thing that I feel still feel like we don't even have quite figured out is like how to connect, not just um, you know specific platforms, but like how do you connect K two into Airbnb's websites and like how do we start right. doing that flawlessly? Like yeah, no Airbnb. Let me push you to this KOA who has a cabin, um, mm -hmm. you know, because I know this is the area you're looking for. But yeah, I I agree. I that'd be super cool. Brian, work on that. Well, those yeah, partnerships get this are done. out there. That's like, so KOA, I don't know if KOA has an API. I, I, I would imagine that because they're kind of more of a closed loop system and they can do all this stuff without uh, having relying on anyone else software. They don't, they don't need that as much, but right. it's a very good point. Like if anybody would pull off a big partnership with Airbnb and integrate stuff like that with an API, I would think KOA would be at the top of that list. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting, really interesting, I think, to see where things shift to over the next five years or so. I think more and more campers are going to want that online instant stuff as, as we move forward. And we'll see. We'll see if we can make it come together. And, you know, it really does take campgrounds willingness to uh, partner up and and you know sometimes put some pressure on their software providers and stuff like that too so like i said all the all the sandbox kids need to <laughs> partner up team up teamwork in the sandbox um specific to manpower i did want to touch base on you know brian and i kind of talked about it a bit before the show started was you know staffing and some of the hurdles around that this year that's been a this huge controversial i can already tell oh really <laughs> i mean i feel like it has to i've seen the arguments and the groups going back and forth between you know like why we can't find workers what the real reason is and nobody really knows of course but it's interesting that was that was the meeting that i was just in for an hour and a half because yeah oh, we wow. have we have 400 and something properties and every one of them doesn't have any stuff all right so, so what Let's let's have you start then. What are what are some of the things that they brought up as ideas or solutions, or if you can tell? Um, I can't play the sandbox. No. Uh, so yeah, see. <laughs> here is here's here's the problem is is it's all region by region. Like mm -hmm. like even I mean there are issues across the country, but yeah. like what we have to pay an employee to work for us in Petoskey, which is like. Petoskey is probably one of the coolest places ever to live. You're right on Lake Michigan, but McDonald's is paying $15.50 an hour. Subway is at $18 with a $2 signing bonus. So it gets you almost up to $20 an hour for making subs. Um, like, how do you compete with that in this industry? And, um, you know, one thing that we do um, that's unique, and I would say KOA is probably the best staff, the best staffed 
of any property that son owns because they don't they're not really big into the work campers and right. i had big i was big into work campers before son purchased it and i'm like this i know this is the only way i can do it because you're getting the benefit of housing yeah and and your salary so like yeah we're probably paying a little bit less than what you make at subway or mcdonald's but you also have a really cool place to live and mm -hmm. that's the only way that we're getting around it a little bit but um you know that was that was the exact meeting is like okay how do we make it so that the staff want to be there because it's great now like they're like oh we're so happy it's so calm it's so easy to get place okay july when you're busy seven days a week all of a sudden this isn't funny anymore and like mm -hmm. i just want to go to mackinac island and i can work at mcdonald's for 14 and they can work around my schedule and like okay how do we how do we address this now and get the training or whatever we need to do and you know we're gonna we're gonna oh man we're gonna increase what we're paying people and and post some job just but we haven't had a single person apply to work at koa this year like it was all mm -hmm. um it was all i knew people and was calling them that was the only way that we got the staff that we have i don't know what it's like up there is it it's got to be similar right yeah we're definitely having uh facing some hurdles here too i think you know there's some specifics surrounding we're still kind of paying out emergency response benefits specific to covid um so that's impacting some things uh specifically in these kind of lower wage range brackets and things like that um the government has you know done some strategic things where you can still receive those benefits if you work you know a certain number of hours over and above uh i i can't remember how many it is um so you know they're trying to get folks you know go out and work earn some dollars and we'll still give you your benefits um but we are still seeing some some barriers to that and of course you know we're in a very different scenario up here a, a few of our provinces are either still not open for camping or just opening now um and and a lot of our operators kind of weren't sure what opening date would be and and so that has impacted all of their hiring stuff i think we're really going to see again another summer like last year where we had a lot of operators running kind of bare bones teams with barely any any staff on hand and and that's troubling because then they end up really wiped out and and struggle by september or october to <laughs> you know like you said you get an hour off on mondays maybe yeah. like <laughs> that's yeah. not sustainable really long term yeah and it's it's not what I, what kills me about it is it's not giving the guests the experience that they expected like you're yeah. you're offering a subpar experience because mm -hmm. You know, normally I would be walking around the campground like, oh man, it's so good to see you. But you want to do tie-dye? Let me show you how to do tie-dye. And instead, yeah. I'm running like a chicken with my head cut off, running from, you know, the firewood bin over to the store to check someone in. And now I'm trying to back in a camper and and someone yeah. just ran into a tree and you're like, like this yeah. isn't the experience. And, you know, you're 190% over budget. So you're getting more guests than you've ever gotten before yeah. with a quarter of the staff and yeah. like, okay this is going to be a good summer but um you know and that's what like i spend the first morning i, I probably spend half of my day walking around and telling the staff how important they are because like it's it's every I, you know you keep the ones you got because you you're not going to get more and mm -hmm. 
you know, if they, it's all, a, you know, I had an assistant manager in Kava who um, he said, um, you know, it's all about the, um, what did he say? It was the, the atmosphere of his workplace, basically. That's the only reason, like he doesn't, like, I mean, people care about money and that's like the negotiating tool, but if they love where they work, sometimes you can look past the wages and, um, you know, it's hard when you go up to them like, okay, you didn't clean this bathroom, right? You didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. And then you expect them like, oh, you got to stay here till September with me. Um, mm -hmm. but man, if you can just make them feel appreciated, it goes a long way. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think there's, you know, maybe there's ways to get creative about expressing that appreciation. Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, when I was a park owner, obviously, yeah, we weren't, we weren't operating in this kind of dynamic. So I hate to relate it to my experience to now. Um, but, you know, there were ways that we could pretty strategically, you know, just motivate, motivate our, our staff to kind of love being there. And we did lots of, you know, team building stuff and, and things that made it a positive atmosphere and environment that were really valuable. My, my team often talks about kind of being talked about being a family. I still do. I still am in touch with lots of them. Um, they're a family. They, you know, they really rely on each other and that stuff is tough to come across and you have to kind of try to hang on to those folks for sure. It's hard when they move on. So there's a, a lot of different dynamics here in play, right? So let's start with the most, maybe the most controversial, which is, which is the wages thing. Uh, and we know that right. McDonald's and Subway are raising wages and all that kind of stuff. But I also remember for the last 10, 15, 20 years, we heard all the McDonald's and all the Subway say, there's no way we can ever stay in business if we ever go above $10, $11, $12. And they're all still in business. My parents own Subways in New York State. And mm -hmm. still, like, no, no business owner wants to dramatically raise wages. We want to take care of our employees, absolutely. But nobody's like, yeah, I want to just give you, like, extra an hour, right? Because uh, it has to work financially. Right. But at the same time, how did then these McDonald's and Subways adapt to be able to afford this stuff that they otherwise thought they couldn't afford? Is it regional based? Is it menu price increases? Is, is there a mm -hmm. path, I guess, and what I'm asking is, is there a path that campgrounds can follow to set themselves up for the future where this is probably going to be exacerbated, I think? I think there's ways that campgrounds, I mean, again, my experience was with a seasonal park. So my staff was laid off every winter and that plays a huge role in retention and things like that. Um, but there's ways to motivate folks to kind of stick around and, and want to be, want to come back every spring or whatever. Um, but yeah, I do think it does in a lot of cases come down to like, you might have to raise your rates a little bit. Um, you might have to charge a buck more per round of mini golf or something, you know, and, and be strategic about what your pricing looks like. Those are tough, tough decisions to make and balance. And sometimes I think it takes kind of trying out different things to, to see how, how that works. It's only like part of the problem, right? It's a very small sure. part of the issue. Just like Ryan said, like there's there there's the revenues there at, at Petoskey and other, a lot of other campgrounds. It's just yep. and so it's not just the question of throwing money at people. It's the atmosphere and the environment and the seasonality, like you said, and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's so funny. When I was a park owner, people used to come up to me in my park all the time and say like. 
this is my dream to run a campground. Like you must love your life. And certainly those things are awesome. But I used to say to them, like, you want a job? <laughs> I could really use some help. Come, come and work, come see how it is. Um, and I do see things like in those, those Facebook groups all the time, you see folks saying like, you know, I really want to buy a park, but want to learn more about the business first. How can I, you know, get a job with one of you guys and, and learn? Um, and so maybe those are strategic ways that campgrounds can, I mean, it's tough. It would be lovely to see some sort of like way to provide like, my I'm, my wheels are just turning. I'm spitballing, literally spitballing right now. Um, but you know, maybe there's ways to incentivize staff so that if they spend so many seasons with you, they get some sort of um, certification with a with an education, you know, hospitality program or 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 credit or something like that. Like, there's got to be ways to get strategic about those things. Um, I used to partner with the school in my province that um, specifically did hospitality training so we did we had you know um, kids do their um, uh, prior to graduation their their work experience stuff with us kids I call them um, their university level <laughs> adults um, and they uh, you know would spend a season with us or whatever and, and that would apply to credit towards their their uh, education training programming so um, you know, I know that's not accessible to every campground operator, but there are ways to um, strategically utilize, you know, stuff in your area and, and things like that, um, that maybe could help. I, I don't know. I mean, how big is, and, and I know it's big, but how big is the seasonality? Like, is there a way to solve this issue? Like you look at sun, right? Uh, and maybe you guys do some of this already, Ryan, but uh, is there a way to transfer people summer north, winter south? I mean, is there like, because I, I feel like it's the seasonality that's a huge, like, well, I want a job, but I want a job for more than six months. That is, um, I've literally just had that conversation with the, I think, the senior vice president of Sun. Um, he actually came up to the property this weekend and we were talking. And he's like, what's the biggest, biggest um, thing we could change to make Sun better? And I, I said, Kway's got a work camp program that is um, it it was really really strong back in the day. I don't know if it is anymore, and I can't really hire from them anymore with Suns. The Sun hires out thirty days prior, so you can't like submit contracts and stuff. So it's a little bit more complicated. Um, but one thing I was telling him is like, do you know how many work campers you could have if you offered them full time year round? So it's like I'm going to train you like almost like a manager training program where it was like. Mm -hmm. We start you at this property. You learn everything there is to know about maintenance lead. So how to do scheduling, how to do payroll, how to do, uh, you know, change water pumps, how to take care of a pool, how to, uh, you know, change out breakers. Once you learn that, we send you to a northern property. You get to pick. We have a lot of them. Pick which property you want to go to and you're their maintenance lead. And then once they close for the season, we send you down, down state. Because I was like, once you find the leads, you know, whoever your lead people are going to be like filling around them is easy, but mm -hmm. finding that person that you can rely on, like I, he's stepping in, he knows what he's doing. All I have to do is teach him the property layout. That'd be mm -hmm. huge. And he gets full-time benefits because he's a full-time employee that works for Sun, and they just transfer the pay to, to him, to which property he's at. And I'm like, if you guys started doing that, you would be 
leaps and bounds above any what anybody's doing because no one has that right now. And KOA, they have the work camp program, but it's so different. And it, it only works for, I don't even know if it would work totally for KOAs because every KOA is so different. So different. Yeah. But like Sun Properties, like it's all corporate, like they run at the exact same. So if you learn payroll at Astoria, you're going to know payroll in Petoskey. You're going to, you, you know how it works. And then changing a break route is the same in Montana as it is in Wyoming. Arizona. Um, yeah. But once you figure out the hard stuff and like, this is how you take care of a pool, like, uh, like, don't even get me started. Like pools, I'm like, there's no training on pools and like, okay, every campground has a pool. Good luck. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we have these electronic controllers on them and one electronic goes wrong and all of a sudden you've got yourself an acid bath. Like this yeah. is a big deal. Like we really need to focus on how we're going to train our staff to take care of this. Um, boy, that would make a huge difference for Sun to have key players that they're, they're here year round. We don't have to go out and find them and like, oh yeah, this guy's good, but we're closing for the season. So he's going to go find a new job and now he's going to work at a Yogi Bear. And you lost mm -hmm. a really good employee that you could have had because you're a seasonal park. Yeah. The seasonal barrier obviously is big in Canada. Like there's, you know, maybe there's ways to potentially partner with, you know, an American park or whatever. But I, I think, you know, there's definite hurdles in the way that make it tough to retain, especially key player staff like that if six mm -hmm. months out of the year, they don't have employment. Um, no. It's hard to even wrap my brain around solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I mean, again, there's there's no one size fits all answer, but it sounds like that's, sure. I mean, the transfer program, if you could implement Genius. that, you could have even smaller conglomerates like Park Ridge in Canada, or I know Sun has obviously properties in Canada, Yep. Uh, or if you're a developer who owns six or seven parks and one's in Florida and one's in Canada or whatever, right? Uh, <laughs> just figuring out those kinds of things or, or another way to, to make it more of a permanent position, I think mm -hmm. it's really the, the kind of the issue. And maybe there's a way to make a maintenance lead year round and do some projects that maybe you should be doing or you could be doing, I should say, year round. instead mm -hmm. of Yeah, in the off season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. I don't know. I mean, I can I can imagine it has to be hard with the revenue like coming to a hard stop and right in for six months. That's so. that's the kicker for all you know, uh, op owner operators. Like you don't have you don't have four billion dollars to go through the winter. Like okay, I'm going to do this project and do this project. And um, mm -hmm. but if you own multiple properties or you work alongside of see that, and that's the, I haven't figured it out for the kit. Where like if I was an operator owner, how do you do it? Because like you'd want to work a deal out with someone in the South and like, Hey, I'm going to send you this guy and he's going to come here, but you, he's still not full time. So you can't offer benefits yeah. or you're paying for benefits on your own. So it doesn't, doesn't work. It's almost like you have to go into business with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, we're, we're going to split these two properties and um, yeah. I'll give you my staff for the winter. And I, I don't know, Advice Brian, figure staff. it out. Yeah. So here's, something, here's something related, right? So I was reading on, on Woodall's, I think last week, uh, and I just pulled up the article that KOA, we're just talking about KOA continuing, uh, KOA creates <laughs> an employee training program for franchises. Do you know anything about this yet, Ryan? Or I mean, I have the article in front of me, but I'm just curious if you've heard of it. Is it for like, what? what's the title of the, uh, I might have just heard this program. Yeah. Um, I just heard about it from the KOA inspection team. And so I'm, I'm part of KOA, but know that like a lot of this stuff, 
son doesn't really do a lot of KOAs. So right. like I'm learning it on the side because I'm like, yeah, I should know all the KOA stuff because we are a KOA, but son's got their own systems that I have to learn. So it, it's kind of unique, but I did hear about that because the inspection team actually was like, you would be a perfect candidate for that. Um, which right. I am kind of interested in in doing it because I, I love KOA. I think KOA's got a great brand. I think they have um, a great marketing team. I think they have, um, you know, everybody knows what KOA is. I was just talking to a buddy about it last night. Like if you're going across the, the country and you're like, oh, we need a place to stay. And I don't know. You think of state parks and then you're like, okay, but I want, I don't want to dump my tank. So KOA and that's, I've known KOA. Um, so Yes, I have heard of it. Um, I was going to reach out to um, Toby at KOA and, and see what the real deal is and see if I can get signed in. But um, oh, here's, what it, here's what it says. It says just briefly, it says KOA's new campfire service program provides owners and management with the tools to create a rewarding camping experience that supports the company's mission of connecting people to the outdoors and each other. A digital mm -hmm. training program that can be delivered by KOA campgrounds at any time. Campfire service consists of four modules that focus on different aspects of guest service. From foundation elements of communication to tips for working with difficult guests, the program is designed to empower employees to give the best service possible. So this, I mean, I feel like that's gonna be expanded for one. Like guest service is maybe just the starting point because when you were talking right. about the pool maintenance thing, right? Like I'm thinking in my head, why is there not like a lynda.com for campgrounds where you can have a have some expert maintenance guy that you does 9 10 20 training videos for you on here's how to yeah. do a generic mm -hmm. like it, and then you campgrounds can have it or subscribe to the service or whatever mm -hmm. you know? yeah so k does have they have something called um oh boy it's called uh kwu kwu university and it's kind of like what you're supposed to go to when you first run start a koa and Yep. Yeah, it's in Billings. Yep. Um, so I went there probably it was seven years into managing or something. So it's it was um, not as beneficial for me because I like once you work the system, the hard thing yeah. for KOA is you have to gear it for everybody. And so you right. get a lot of people who have never, you know, they, they don't they don't work with summer shiners. They don't know what summer shine program is. They don't know what tie dye is. You know, they're they're trying to cover all the basics. And so you're the operators who've been there for a long time, you go to that class and you're like, Ooh, okay. Like, yeah, but what <laughs> about like, yeah, like, like franchise fee. Let's talk about franchise fees. Like, how am I going to, how am I going to gear this? And, and well, we're not going to cover that in this class. And that's why like KOA is starting to do some of these upper classes where it's like, they know there's some, there's some really good operators out there. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can start, really focus and like let's pull together and like i know you know customer service better than i do let's talk through that and i know mm -hmm. pools better than you do let let me kind of explain to you like what my fears are in pools and and i think that's kind of what they're starting to do and actually the thing you're talking about i signed up and it was this week it was the past the past five days um the bummer with being a campground manager is i've missed all five days because there's, there's no, no staff so yeah. you I do the same thing as a business owner. So, I mean, we signed up, uh, I signed my team up for, I think, a conference called AdWorld like a month ago and I had 30 days to watch this stuff. And I watched like one session and now it's going to go by. So, I, I missed every because they had like a K2 training and like uh, budgeting. And, and I was like, this is going to be cool. Like, I'm excited to sign up for it. And, you yeah. know, right about the time that the class starts, that's when a seasonal comes in and is like, 
this is the worst. Listen to how terrible my life is. My cable TV, I have golf two and golf three, but I need golf four. And golf this is one. a this is a priority. And I'm like, okay, yep, let's go figure out golf one. Yeah. So this is interesting to me too, specific to campgrounds. And and you know, I know we're talking about KOA lots, you know, just I think they come up so much because they're such a good kind of model for mm -hmm. for and yeah. and do things ahead of time or first a lot of the time um, but I think you know there's a huge um, ability here to start pretty like that session that you signed up for Ryan that you missed all those five days is that content available recorded can you watch it I afterwards? believe so I haven't looked at okay. it but I'm pretty sure it is right so I think you know we're in a unique time now too where that stuff is is uh, becoming more and more accessible. You don't have to get on a plane and go fly to the class spot and sit through five days of things and take all that time out of your business. Um, you know, you can help the guy with golf one and then watch the session later. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I really, I'm excited. I know CCRVC is really talking about um, for our, our members expanding our education training programming specifically in that, in those ways so that we can, not only be providing that cool live like one-on-one -on -one ability to communicate with each other session but then also you know make it really accessible afterwards and and we saw things like our our conference in january really demonstrated how valuable that was to campground owners and and how much appetite they have to um you know access access content like that whether they're you know specifically outside of the the franchises that obviously are already offering those uh resources to their their groups it's uh it's exciting i'm hopeful we can continue to to grow it and do some unique stuff interesting balance right because obviously we all want to be in person we all like being in person and doing the networking and there should we should never yes. get rid of in person nobody's advocating for that but at the same no, time I I think what covid taught us a little bit was that maybe there are certain things you can do in person like koa's thing in buildings like our national school that they have and i think it's in myrtle beach every year maybe they move it around i don't know um, but there, but there, are, I guess, tracks that you should concentrate on in person. Like Arvik, I think has level one and level two or year one and year two, where you come back and in, like you were saying with KOA, mm -hmm. they're trying to cram everything into one thing. Well, if you've got a class that's geared toward year one and year two, maybe like Arvik does, but then you're supplementing that with additional on-demand content that people can do based on their level and based on their interests and based on what they want to learn. Mm -hmm. I think that's the marriage of two perfect worlds almost. And, and there's, I think, a lack of that digital content that's been created yet so far in the industry. Yeah, I'm excited to see that kind of library of, of resources continue to grow, specific to campground operations, and and you know provide that to to operators, private operators as well, who you know are kind of flying by the seat of their pants on that front uh, on their own a little bit more. Um, I think the biggest hurdle often with that stuff is like session topics and finding the best pros to deliver the, the content and things like that. Those are, oops, you know, tough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we rise to the challenge. Oh, but I think, I think part of that is, is what a KOA or an LSI or a CCRVC or an ARVIC yep. not necessarily should be doing, but I mean, I have my own opinion on that, right? It's just my opinion. <laughs> I think they should, but could do. Yep a whole lot mm -hmm. easier than individual campground because CCRVC can go out and they can find that expert. And even if you've got to pay them, right? Yeah. Uh, you have, 
I don't know if you have the budget, but more likely you have the budget than an individual campground owner does. Exactly. And then that expert and, and pay and then provide that to all your membership and whether it's a small fee mm -hmm. to access that training or whether it's included in membership, whatever it looks like. Uh, yeah. I think those big organizations need to facilitate this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's one of the fundamental reasons, that, you know, in my opinion, that they exist is to really develop or, or deliver resources kind of industry or, or at least membership wide that, you know, are tough to come across on your own as a, as a sole kind of operator. Uh, you know, it's, it can be argued it's similar to choosing to operate a franchise because of the obvious benefits of being a franchisee that, you know, you get access to all these resources and, and tons of great stuff that you potentially don't get as a as an individual kind of operator or owner. So let's shift gears a second and talk about how the business is changing, right? I was reading this article uh, by Andy Zipser, I think it was in RV Travel. Uh, mm -hmm. I've met him a couple of times at different conferences. We actually used to work for his campground before he owned it when it was still Stanton Walnut Hills KOA. Uh, right. And so Walnut Hills Campground, I think it's been that for like eight, nine years now, but he, uh, they republished it in Woodalls, I think, this morning. And so just kind of going through this and I'm just skimming it and I didn't read the whole article again yet, but he's basically talking about how things have changed since he bought the campground and some of it he likes and some of it he doesn't. And so what are you, you guys have owned parks uh, or man, obviously Ryan in his case manages Carrie used to own a park um, what is your thoughts on the way this industry and these parks are, are changing both with technology and guests and demands and new people coming in and bigger rigs and all that like is this changing for the better is it changing for the worst does it depend on who you are and what you want or <laughs> no, I'm letting you go first on that one. That's a that's a hornet's nest. Um, yeah, you know, I think, you know, I I get accused a lot of the time of just being too like middle ground, but I'm gonna take that road again and just say like I think it's really personality dependent. It's really business dependent, kind of what your feelings are about how things shift and and what that looks like. Uh, you can ask one camper on the road, you know, if they want to be able to book online and, and plan their trip from A to B ahead of time. And then the next camper you stop is going to have the opposite feeling. So, you know, I think there's room in, in the big sandbox for multiple, uh, you know, different models and, and ways of operating and things like that. I think from a broad perspective, Brian, like, I, I think the industry is, uh, definitely changing for the better, in my opinion, I think, and, and maybe that's just because I tend, to, you might argue this, but I tend to be an optimist about stuff like that. Um, so I think, you know, things grow and, and continue to develop and, and, and get better at, with time. Um, you're always going to have outliers and, and issues and things like that. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is being really malleable and adaptable and, and, I'll argue, I know a lot of campground owners and I'll argue that they're some of the most adaptable people that I know. Um, yeah. Certainly you have, you know, again, all the outliers <laughs> who want to keep things the same. And, and there's, there's camping consumers who are wanted that way and, and don't want to book online or, you know, have to book in advance at all. They want to show up and, you know, the same argument can be made for like, there's a huge, uh, 
you know, desire for things like boondocking and, you know, camping out in, you know, specifically in my province on crown land camping is huge. You can, there are certain areas of this province where you can just pop an RV wherever you feel like and camp for however long you feel like. Um, and, and there are a lot of folks who like to camp like that and really rough it. Um, so, you know, and, and I think arguably the, some of those consumers are doing that type of camping, but also, you know, two weekends later, they want to go to a campground and have that experience too. So, you know, I think that's one of the greatest things about our industry is like, it's just very adaptable. And um, I think campground owners ha kind of roll with punches. You know, we have years like this year and last year where things are beautiful and, and look great and the reservation book is full and and there are hurdles in the way that come with that as well as hurdles on the years when things are slower and and it's just we just go with it <laughs> i don't know about good better or worse i think i agree and, with you and and yeah. like i think i agree with you right and I, well i know i agree with you that there are different types of campgrounds different types of campers all that kind of stuff right. i guess my, my bigger point and, and again i don't i didn't really read Andy's full article uh, or know how controversial or not controversial it is. Um, but uh, I guess my point is, is that yes, there are a segment of people who don't want to book online. There are a segment of people who right. do want to book online, but I feel like the people who don't want to book online over time are going to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Yes, yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. So that's my point. Like is, is, is a negative from these perspective of the specific owners who don't want to change right now is it a negative now or is it a negative permanently that's kind of the discussion that we're talking about i think it's a negative probably permanently i think if if you're not willing to be adaptable and and not willing to kind of i, I mean it's just a fundamental business operation mantra that you kind of have to give your customers what they want. Right. So, I mean, you know, demand will shift. Like, like Coca-Cola. Yeah. Like I remember reading about Coca-Cola wouldn't run Facebook ads for the first six or seven years. They kept spending on TV ads and they had to be there because their board executives were just like we're running TV ads since the seventies. They work, the polar bears work and the Coke sipping works and all that. Yeah. And it did, but, but they yeah. delayed the inevitable of running those Facebook ads for years because they didn't want to embrace change. So it's right. not, yeah, tell you about it. <clears throat> Right. And, and, and again, that change looks different for everybody. Nobody's saying that there's a singular path that everybody has to follow or that you have, like you pick and choose what you want for your part. But totally. And I think demand will really dictate to you what, what your choices need to be. It doesn't, you know, certainly sometimes emotion plays into it, but it doesn't always come down to like, you know, I just don't like that. Sometimes it's like, well, <laughs> my bookings are down 15% this year because... Right you can't book on my website or whatever, right? Like, I think it's just, the the market will demand what it wants from from us. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree with majority of that, that I, I think if you don't do online booking, like you're just gonna get left behind. Like it is, that's, that's where, it's kind of interesting because so right now with this expansion, with all these new cabins that we're doing, the first thing I said as soon as it was done is it's like it's losing its charm. Like KOA, the Potosi KOA feel is gone. It, it feels more like a like you're renting a tiny house. 
right. then we had our first bookings this weekend and everyone on the way out was like that was the best camping trip of my life i'm like that wasn't camping that's a house what are you talking like <laughs> there's nothing camping about it and they're like it was great like it was like we missed nothing the wi-fi was good my kids were watching videos all night and that's what camping is now and you know my grandpa would roll over in his grave if he knew that i was spending what i'm spending on wi-fi like but that's <laughs> that's where things have gone like yeah. you know we're getting to a point where we're going to be streaming tvs at campgrounds like that's that's what people want they don't even want cable anymore they want to be able to stream youtube yep. tv um, they want to be able to watch YouTube TV while they sit at the playground and mm -hmm. don't use the, the playground. Why would they use the playground? Amazing? They can watch TV right there. And, and it's different. And it's, you know, you get the guests that the old timers who come and they camp and oh man, we come because the lake and there's these little frogs and, and we mm -hmm. can hear the chirping of the birds and it's just the greatest. And then his neighbor pulls in with a 43 foot fifth wheel <laughs> with a side deck, a back deck, unloads his quad, unloads his golf cart. Um, you know, sets up his 46 pink flamingos and yeah. connects to the Wi-Fi, and you don't see him the whole weekend. And you're like, what? Like, it's so weird to me that, you know, when I started in this industry at, at my grandpa's park, you know, we were spending so much time focused on like, making these kids events where like, oh, we'd set two by fours up and the kids would ride on the two by four. And then you'd go around and at the end, you get a trophy if you win. And if you didn't like, oh, we got you a candy bar it's changed like yeah that is kind of cool but you know they they don't want that anymore they want you know virtual bingo they want virtual um activities and it's really hard now because you're you can't really you can be together now but it's still like everyone's kind of what Not can sure. we do what yeah what can we do what can't we do and you're like oh, okay so how do we how do we do this and it's like completely changed the campground like my my favorite story so far has been you know, a guest came in to me and was like, I, my toilet doesn't work. I don't know what's wrong with it. And it was completely full. I was like, oh, you just got to connect the hose to the sewer pipe and, and drain it. And, and she was like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, when did you buy this camper? And she had not dumped as she just bought the camper because she doesn't want, she doesn't feel safe in a hotel. So now she's a camper and has no idea anything about the connecting of where the stuff goes once it goes in. But you're like, you know, that's your new guest. That's, that's what yep. it is. And they're expecting that hotel experience at a camp that campgrounds is just a, a move, movable hotel. And so mm -hmm. you just gotta, you roll with the punches right now. I mean, it yep. be ready to adapt. So is there ready a way to we, adapt? What we need to do is basically like embrace the technology, but still figure out a way to force people to love nature. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's about forcing people to love nature. Well, I think I, that's I mean, inherent to like humanity more, maybe like a showing an appreciation for it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So one thing we did to, to kind of to marriage the two yeah. is we, we actually did a, an outdoor scavenger hunt with that your is. phone. So you would, yeah. you would take your phone and like, you have to take a picture of uh, this type of bark, like a white, white Oak tree or something, whatever it is mm -hmm. and take a picture and you submit it through the app or whatever. And Oh man, you didn't have to even show a kid how to do that. He knew everything yeah. about the I app. know better than you. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I just reprogrammed your app. It's fine. It's way better. Yeah. Than like, okay, <laughs> See, I, I fixed it. No idea what you're doing. Um, but yeah, if you can, yeah. if you can somehow incorporate technology, people love technology right now. 
And mm -hmm. the more technology you can put outside, the better it is for them. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. remember watching like when 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 my daughter Sarah was younger, I remember um watching Bear Grylls, like the survivor shows with her, where they would go yeah. like Bear Grylls in the middle of this wilderness and then he would try to hike his way out or whatever. Everybody would be dead right now if you did that. Just don't even think about it. That's not our guest anymore, buddy. I don't know. We don't. Like, we I, I, feel like, I feel like you could just dangle the carrot of like the YouTube TV, right? But you got to make it to the YouTube TV. We'll just drop you off in the wilderness. And if you get there, you get the Wi-Fi. You got to earn it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, I think. Launch. You should talk to them about that, right? Certain certain guests will pay probably pay for that, Brian. I <laughs> I'd be interested to see you launch that model, but I think you oh, know I'm it's they'll pay for it. I'm suggesting we have to make them earn the Wi-Fi so they appreciate nature. That's paying I'm for it. it. If I have to fight for my life to go watch YouTube TV, I'm earning I'm not it. In the Sahara, <laughs> but they, you know, we can drop them off in the I mean, the middle of two sun properties, right? And then no matter which way they go, they're going to find a sun property. Just Eventually, Wi-Fi. Yeah. yeah okay. It's almost like making people eat crickets. Like you buy them for your friends. Like it's not, you're not going to eat it. Like someone else would pay for, like the dad would pay for his kids to have to do that. But, but the dad's not willing to do that. Like, mm -mm. it's a good idea though. Mm -hmm. Fear factor at campgrounds. Yeah. Fun. I, I'm getting pretty good at filing incident reports. So that'd be good. I was just going to say, there's no liability issues there at all. <laughs> <laughs> None. Yeah. I think frankly, you know, I, I, maybe because I love nature and the outdoors and whatever, I'm biased. But I do think humans inherently enjoy that space. But I agree with Ryan. I think, you know, there's there's a transition towards, like, being able to enjoy nature in new and kind of unexpected ways. Um, but again, I think you're always going to have certain campers who do want to disconnect and do want to, you know, not watch youtube tv <laughs> when they're on their camping trip um so you know our the most interesting thing i think about our industry specifically is our demo our market demographics are so broad and so wide you really have you know the the blue collar family and then you know somebody's driving a five hundred thousand dollar rv park next to them so you know, it's, in my opinion, the main reason campgrounds need to be so adaptable and, and um, you know, I think some of them really focus on a certain market demographic and do it really well and, and, and you know, are bosses at that stuff. Um, and mm -hmm. that's, there's room for all of us in the sandbox. Yeah, I, I, um, I will say, so the last park, I worked a couple parks couple parks ago um was out in the middle of nowhere disconnected didn't have wi-fi mm -hmm. and the guests we would get there were were totally different than the ones we get at potassi kaway but i remember one night um our septic pumps all failed and sewer was flowing across the road and i'm like this is gonna ruin the entire weekend for these guests and i'm walking down there you know in knee deep boots and like okay i got a mini excavator let's get this thing done and I remember both sides of the sewer stream, both guests were cooking hot dogs and hamburgers. And we're like, hey, I'm going to cook you an extra hot dog. It's totally, I'm like, this is sewer. Don't step. And they're like, oh, no, we're, it's fine. We're totally used to it. Like, this is great. And it was, it was like, if this happened at Petoskey KOA, I would be on a cross at the front of the, of the store. Like, it's a totally different atmosphere. And it's almost like if we could do a nationally branded, like, 
okay, if you see a campground that has one star, that means that it is like disconnecting, no Wi-Fi, no anything. That's your rustic and, campground. <laughs> yeah, rustic. And two stars means like you're gonna have half and half, like it's a little bit cheaper rate, but, and like do a star system or something where like the guests like, that's what I want. Like I wanna be disconnected this weekend, but next weekend, yeah. I want full amenities and I just want to be away from my house in LA and I just yeah. like, but still have that at home experience without someone in my backyard all the time. Mm -hmm. Brian, yeah, I want to feel like I'm going good. to a resort or a hotel without the hotel price tag. Um, yep. You know, I think that's interesting too about campers is it, like I said before, they don't want to camp the same way all the time. Um, mm -hmm. So much of, of, of camping is, being able to move around and see different things and have different experiences. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, I guess maybe not the case for those seasonal guests or whatever, who like to go to the same spot over and over. And again, that's another market demographic that really impacts, you know, the, this broad spectrum where we all just kind of fall on the spectrum somewhere. <laughs> all right, let's close this out. I got a little video here of an amenity. We we're going to do products and stuff once in a while. And so let's close this out and say, would you guys allow a guest to have this at your campground? I'm going to say. people about the tents and all the kinds of things on their site right is this allowed at Petoskey KOA is this allowed at Carousel where do I order it I could sell those faster than they could get here wow. yeah I, I have yeah to it's super cool for a while but yeah. yeah are you kidding me that's awesome I mean but yeah, yeah. but the person who's not cool. pulling a trailer right <laughs> I would I would love to see a seasonal like sit in the back of that thing at their site and just like comment to everybody who walks by and just yeah, the only thing that that would be bad is guarantee some little kid's going to be riding in the back of that with his dad driving. Well, someone's driving. No, that was my first thought. Yeah, is yeah. <laughs> liability? Yeah, I mean, that was a thought I had, but I don't know if it was my my first, first thought. thought. My first thought. I'm always like, how much is this going to impact my insurance coverage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think some yeah. of that you're right. That would move really, really fast for people. So honestly, like, what's wrong with a hammock? that has a stand what's the <laughs> why do you need the hammock on your jeep i don't know I, don't. I feel like you should i feel like you could can you trailer mount can you hitch mount those to the back of park models that'd be super cool probably they have hitches on the back of fifth wheels yeah yeah with the tri stacks well but i mean like your cabins and stuff like that could you put a hammock there oh get out of here with that nonsense those cabins are ridiculous they don't need anything else <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying permanently, but you could rent it in your store as an amenity to charge people extra for for the day. I would okay. sell them. I would not rent a hammock. That right. people are so destructive with hammocks. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this weekend we have a couple trees next to our fire pit that have that are like the perfect distance, and we had like nine hammocks stacked up, and the kid on the top just like butt bombed the next nine down. Like, oh man, please don't die. That's all I just don't die. I, but he was fine. Yeah, I that's my worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Uh, well, I think we uh, do. We have anything else we want to wrap up with? No, I think we covered the good discussion today. So appreciate you guys. Uh, I mean, obviously joining us all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll see. What do we have next week, Kara? What's going on next week? I'm hoping we can get in for a conversation with Camping World. Um, I'm I'm waiting on confirmation f- for that uh, still, but uh, that'll be good if. If we can, just they're doing some cool stuff, um, acquiring some businesses and things like that in the industry. So I just want to hear about what they're working on. Cool. All right. Well, thank you guys. Appreciate it. And we will see you next time. All right. See you guys. Bye.